It's a scared cat's it's, podcast. It's cats that are scared, and it's a podcast. You I am a, going to perform. You have vintage. This podcast. Glass behind you. Older, vintage. Older than you. No. Yeah, it is. That's not older than me. Yes, it is. How do you know? Because she told me how old it was. Oh, she told you how old yeah. it was, huh? Yeah. She told you how old it was. Yeah, if you looked at it, it looks older than you. All right, we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. Scary hey guys, Cats Podcast. What's up? We are on episode number 37? 36. Fuck. 36. That doesn't really matter because we're just plodding along. But we're back on track. Like, this yeah. is real time. This is doing it. I think Monday, the whole Monday editing situation is very nice. Yeah. Because usually on Sunday, we just want to lay around and do nothing. Be lazy. So. Record and be lazy and see the plants and Backs. take the kitties outside. The huge. If you can't tell, these are all things we did today. Those are all accurate parts Portrayals. of our day. Yeah. 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 All right. So, Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Don't get it. Brady started. Let's fucking talk no, about let's it. not talk about it. Yes. Because let's just let's leave it at the fact that Brady doesn't like Hamilton as Hamilton. Yeah, Lynn. Who we can leave it there because we'll no. be talking forever. What no. are you talking about? No, let's no, we're not talking about Yes, no. we are. No. Yes, we are. I have it written down. All right, hurry up and it. say what you want to say because I'm not talking about it. <sighs> okay, guys. Everybody knows Hamilton came out on Disney Plus and we finally watched it. We finally got the courage to watch it because we have really high expectations. And I I didn't know the actors or actresses in it. And, you know, people are like, ooh, how did you not know it was going to be him? Okay, who the fuck is this Hamilton I character? Hamilton. I only knew the Tom- Thomas Jefferson. Yeah, I knew him too just because I know his voice because he's yeah, got, yeah. And he's but, amazing. But yeah, but, Lynn Manuel Miranda is the one that wrote the play. Oh and then God. I don't know if he powered his way into the role or it yeah. was rightfully given to him, but he, that would, yeah. He has a great voice. He sucks at acting. And I also he does think. Not, he looks like 20 years older than everybody else. When he's supposed to be like 19, he looks like 47. Yes. I will say in the beginning, it seemed like he was trying to portray the immaturity almost too much of him like not immaturity like lack of experience like he was almost trying to portray his lack of experience as like a speaker almost i feel like in his face i don't know and then towards the end it got more like his speaking became more confident and his facial expressions became more you know no. solid but he just I will, like stood there all the time i will say in the first like 20 to 30 minutes i was kind of like oh man so bad what are you doing lynn how are you doing there everybody <laughs> else killed it everyone else he yeah, was other like, than that it was great horrible like i refused to look at him like i would cover his face because i have this depiction of hamilton in my head and it's nothing like what i saw so i was like so disappointed. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. I don't know if I want to see it in person anymore. Maybe if like different actors. Maybe. But I loved everybody else. Everybody else killed it. That was my biggest disappointment. There you go. Oh, I also have one more thing. Oh, five years, by the way. We've been dating for five years as of yesterday. Yay. A half a century? Nope. A half a decade. There you go. Um, I just remember that by a decade of the rosary. Because that's the shit we had to do back in Catholic uh, school. We didn't do that shit. Yay! We went to Duluth and celebrated our love with nature and, well, our love with each other in nature. 
Facts. in love with nature and Jay Cook State Park if you're ever in so Minnesota oh we have so much more exploring to do we oh were not prepared God. for that at all no. I thought we were like literally just going to a bridge and this was gonna no. be like a oh yay raw yeah and you can like swim places oh, there yeah. and stuff it is beautiful like if we were to put our swimsuits on we could just walk up that thing for miles probably yeah yeah next time we'll be more prepared with like water and food and stuff okay what was the thing you wanted to say i wanted to do so i think this is like uh correcting myself okay corrections hour here correction corner i should say nope can't use that correction corner that's somebody else's no i don't give a shit that's no we'll do something else okay correction oops we fucked up the oops we had a mistake the oopsies the the oops i did again (laughs) I fucked up in a podcast. I fucked up this podcast. Okay, okay, go, okay. go, go, go. So I started following Emmanuel. Is it Ocho? 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 Uh, Ocho, probably. He's a football player. Okay. Emmanuel, but it's A C H O. H-O? Because he started doing this awesome series called Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man. Yes, 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 yes. I've heard those. Um, the first one is called Dear White People, where it's like more of him talking and answering questions that white people have asked. But like, but the others got updated with the new name. And he talks about talks with different people. Like the first one's with Matthew McConaughey. And then he talks with Chip and Go- Joanna Gaines, like all these people. Yeah. And they have these co- uncomfortable conversations or whatever. So I really enjoy them. And I started like playing catch up with them because I haven't listened in a while. Definitely recommend you listen. But he like, anyways, it's like his interview with Matthew McConaughey. And at the beginning, he talks about, um, he always gets the question, should white people say like black people or say African-American? And growing up, I was always taught you say African-American. But what he says is it's actually preferred that we say black people. And he explains that the mo- it's the most accurate and the least offensive because not all Black people are African. We have Jamaicans, Cubans, etc. And some don't identify as African because slavery slipped them, stripped them of their heritage. So, like, that was almost word for word what he put, but I wanted to, like, say it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but sense. definitely go check out all his, all his videos. But mm-hmm. I know I've definitely said African-American in our last ones when we were talking about, um, I think, the last two stories or whatever. Um, so I want to apologize for doing it. But Same. I really like his videos because he, like, talks about all that shit that, like, you might want to ask this question, but you don't know if you feel comfortable, like, asking it. Or, like, just, like, the conversations he had. I really enjoyed the first two he did, like, with... Matthew McConaughey and Chip and Joanna. Haven't watched the rest, but I recommend. Okay, so that was my little thing. Nice. Little thingy thing. And we'll let's have to let's... put a link somewhere. Ready? Yeah. Are you gonna go first? Um, like what's the vibe of yours? Mine's probably a pretty good one to start off with. It's kinda interesting, somewhat short, but um not not too fucked up, I should say. But definitely sad. Tragic. It's a tragedy. <laughs> definitely sad. Um, I think I might just go first. Fuck. I just want to get over. <laughs> what are you doing? Okay. I am doing uh, Daniel Lewis Lee. Okay. Have you heard of him? Sounds familiar. As of Tuesday the 14th, he's the first person to be federally executed in in 17 years. Oh, I saw an article on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. He was, I like switched my topic right when I read that. I was like, oh shit, we're doing this. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Because there was like a pardon. He had a pardon 
option, right? But then they just didn't do it. Oh my God, there were like so many things going on. I tried to cut it back, but it was like every single year it was a new thing. Like, yeah. will he, won't he? Like, that's okay, 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 okay. What do we got? What do we got? So, Daniel Lee Lewis. Sorry, God, I always say it wrong. Daniel Lewis Lee. Like, it doesn't sound right. It should be Daniel Lee Lewis, but it's fine. Was born January 13th, 1973, in Yukon, Oklahoma. He had an abusive childhood and was often neglected. Not an excuse for his actions. Also, speaking of things that we that are technically not right, I think Oklahoma actually means red man. What? Like in terms of uh, Native Americans. Oh shit. See, I don't know what to say. Native. If anybody has any information on that, because I know I don't think Native Americans like being called Indians because they were called Indians because Christopher Columbus thought he was in fucking India, so he called yeah. them Indians. So I don't think they technically l- like that term. Yeah. But Native American is also like indigenous. See, I don't know. I think uh, I think honestly, if you really got down to it, each tribe would probably prefer to be called by their tribe yeah. if we knew that but right. but yeah i thought that was weird oklahoma yeah. yeah well it's like calling every asian like yeah chinese like, or something yeah. yeah like you're from asia so you're asian but yeah. that's not that's very <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so we're okay. in oklahoma anyways oklahoma yeah for some time he like moves i don't know okay anyways um he went by a couple of different names so his name's Daniel Lewis Lee. He also went by Daniel Lewis Graham, probably because everybody's getting that fucking confused. D.L. Yeah. Graham and Danny Lee. I also put probably because he had uh, first three names, but that didn't really solve the problem. Oh, yeah. like You know who else has first three names? I was going to say, somebody on this podcast has three names. <laughs> three <Me>? first names. <laughs> Brady Lee Elliott, everybody. Yeah, buddy. Three boys' names. All the testosterone in this girl. Oh, yeah. So much <laughs> testosterone. That's more of an insight. So, yeah, we'll just take that out of here. No, keep, going. keep it. Keep, going. keep it. <laughs> okay, July 24th, 1990. When Lee was... Oh, sorry. I got this info from mainly Wiki. That's our dog. Okay. Also, the evening standard, more towards the end. So, he's at this party and on July 24th, 1990. He's 17. It's Oklahoma City. Boom. That's where we are. Boom. He gets into an altercation, altercation with Joseph Joey Wavra the Third. Okay. Okay. He's like, hey, fuck you. And then he's like, hey, fuck you. And then he's like, hits him in the face. Lee hits Joey in the face. Joey falls. Joey's down. Lee continues to kick him while he's down. Don't kick a man while he's down. It's a rule, bro. Then, with the help of his cousin, John David Patton, uh, they move Joey into the sewer. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, Lee a searches. Bit more disrespectful. Why don't we? Do? Yeah, Lee searches Joey's body and hands his cousin a knife. Okay. John kills Joey. Okay, John's. John is the cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, and then the two bus- dispose of his clothes. That December, Daniel Lewis Lee pleaded guilty to robbery. And the murder charges were dismissed. He was sentenced to five years while his cousin received life without parole. Because he fucking murdered somebody. Understandable. Yeah. That he got life. Not that he murdered yeah, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, death is not, not new to this guy. Not nope. new. Nope. Um, he was only a teen- teenager when all of this happened. 
but he experienced Joey's death and helped dispose of the body, like his clothes and all that shit. So then to make things worse, in 1995, he meets Chevy Kehoe. Chevy? Yeah, he's been on the podcast before. Chevy Kehoe. He has? Yeah, he was a leader of a white supremacist movement. Yeah, wait, what? Yeah, he was, um... In your episode, in your story? Yeah, he was, uh, the... His wife... Chevy Kehoe's wife's brother, I think? What? Was a murderer. Oh, man, this might have been even before... I think it actually might have been, like, our first podcast. No. Yeah, like, he's a white supremacist dude. Yeah. And doesn't he end up moving to, like, Utah or some shit? Not that I know of. Okay, go ahead then. Huh. That's crazy, crazy, though. though. Full circle, people. Full fucking circle. Well, then you already know he's a fucking white supremacist piece of shit. Yeah. He's bad. He's bad He's not a good guy. He recruits Daniel Lewis Lee to the Aryan People's Republic, also known as the Aryan People's Resistance, or APR, which is a white supremacist organization. Yeah, Aryan Brotherhood. Okay, yeah. Not great. Then he obviously starts doing some bad shit. Then on May 13th, he's convicted of carrying a concealed weapon, which, is that illegal? Is it only if you don't have a permit? Maybe it depends where you are. I think it depends where you are and what type it is. Like, if it's a gun and you don't have a permit or anything, you're definitely fucked. But I know if it's a knife... Some places only ban, like, spring-action knives, like switchblades. Okay. But if you just have, like, a push knife, I think you're okay. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, he ends up with six months probation from it. And then in January 11th, 1996, so, like, what is that, like, seven or eight months after this happened? So, like, he's barely off probation. He uh, right around the major time of the major incident in my story oh my god is this the same fucking story i'm gonna be so mad very very different okay there was a murder no it's you're not even close okay well okay no okay oh my god sorry 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 sorry. okay so bloody law um oh uh so january 11th 1996, he and Kehoe, and I put in parentheses, a real beehole. Oh, fucking beehole. <laughs> Your beehole, you keyhole. They leave Washington. I guess he moved there at some point. I don't know. But they head to Tilly, Arkansas, where William Frederick Mueller, a weapons dealer, lives. Okay. Okay, just seeing if he recognizes his name. That does sound familiar. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know. Mueller. He, like, has a bunch of guns, ammo, and, like, a buttload of cash. Like, he's... It's all just sprawled out everywhere. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But rewind, February 1995, Keyhole, the B-hole, and his dad, maybe, okay, because, like, keeping the family, right, Um, they freaking robbed Mueller before this. Oh, shit. So he's like, yo, let's do it again. Did it once? Why not... Once more. We'll do it again, yeah. Yeah, do it again. Once, yeah. It didn't work out, did it? Do it twice. So, they suit up in this, like, poli- these police raid uniforms. They gear the fuck up. They they crushed a few cans of high-quality Mountain Dew. They listened to, like, some Slipknot or some shit until they're, like, super amped. For some reason, I kept thinking, like, oh, they're probably, like, listening to, like, Hawthorne's Heights, Ohio's for Lovers. No. Just for, like, that screamo part. No. Okay. 
No. Ooh, okay. Didn't listen to that, but got super amped, rolled up to Mueller's house, ready to, like, barge the fuck in, and then learned some fucking manners and knocked on the door. Okay? Okay. No one answered. No one's there. No one's there. So they just fucking waited. They're like, all right, well, what else okay. are we going to do? We came out. We drove all this way. Okay. Finally, the Mueller's arrive home. The two overpower and and incapacitate incapacitate William and his wife Nancy and Mueller they start questioning Nancy's 8 year old daughter 8 year old daughter Mm. Sarah Elizabeth Powell where's the cash Sarah where's the guns where's the fucking money bitch you you know what we need for guns ammunition where's the ammunition okay stuff like that they found $50,000 in cash which in 2019 Days dollars. Oh yeah. From Wiki is uh. Fifty four thousand dollars. <laughs> no, eighty one thousand five hundred nine dollars. I feel like twenty twenty is such a shit show. It's probably like lower than that. Yeah. What? Well, that's weird. Yeah. Right. Then, sadly, so this is when it's like not cool. Um, they used a stun gun on William, Nancy, and Sarah. Poor little fucking Sarah, who's only eight years old. Like that's so terrifying. Yeah. Why are there guns everywhere? Crazy. Eight-year-old... I don't know. Bastards. Anyways, so Daniel and Kehoe, like, used a stun gun on them, duct taped their heads with plastic bags, Mm -hmm. and the family suffocated to death. Yeah. They then put their bodies in the family's car and drove them to the Illinois um, bayou and, like, taped Uh. rocks to them. Yeah. And threw them into the swamp. Which, like, how far is Illinois from, um, where the fuck are we? Louisiana. Arkansas? Arkansas. Wait, Illinois swamp? Bayou, yeah. I think you're talking about Louisiana. Uh, the article said Illinois, because I said... There's bayous in Illinois? Don't say what? Illinois. Yeah, maybe they just right. named it after. Arkansas Illinois? is not that far away from Illinois. Okay. It's probably, like, ten hours. Well, they threw them in there. Okay. Kehoe, the a-hole, and his family took the stolen goods to a motel in Spokane, Washington. Yeah. And as Wiki put it, by the way of the Christian identity identity community of Eholem City, Oklahoma, which is another white supremacist group. But, like, I don't, does that mean he got permission? Like, I don't understand what they're saying. Probably, I don't know. Okay. It was just weird wording. Yeah. Six months after the crime, the Mueller family's bodies were found in Lake Dardanelle in Russellville, Arkansas. Kehoe Kehoe was arrested a year later on June 17th, 1997 in Cedar City, Utah. Wait, they found the bodies in Arkansas? Yeah. I don't know where this bayou is. Okay, maybe it floated down the river or something. Yeah, maybe it's, like, connected to both. Yeah, okay. I don't know how the states work. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, So he got sentenced to life in prison. But so for him, it wasn't the same. And local prosecutors were, like, all for them having, like, same sentence, life in prison, blah, blah, blah. But the U.S. Department of of Justice in Washington, D.C. told them to fight for the death penalty. So U.S. This is where it's like, oh, my God. Okay, so U.S. Attorney Paula Casey, who um, told U.S. Attorney Jeanette 
fuck, that's not our last name. Reno? It has Reno, but I think I, like, spelled it wrong. But maybe it's right. To withdraw jeopardy of capital punishment, but then Deputy U.S. Attorney General... General Eric Holder, which is like one to five ranking, one to five rankings above the the average U.S. attorney, U.S. attorney, was like, no, 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 you're going to continue trying to get the death sentence. So Jeanette's like, well, fuck, I think you're hired authority, so I'm gonna just go for it. Okay. So Lee receives a death penalty on three counts of murder and the and the aid of racketeering. Just like causing a racket or something. Mm, no, but okay. yeah, huh? Has to do with. Business. I looked it up. <clears throat> no, I looked it up, and it was saying stuff about causing a racket. So, so Erlene Branch Peterson, who's the mother of Nancy Mueller, pleads for clemency on behalf of Lee. Okay. She's quoted saying, "I can't see how executing Daniel Lee." will honor my daughter in any way. In fact, it's kind of like it's kind of like it dirties her name because she wouldn't want it and I don't want it. So she's like not for it. And then from like 1999 to 2004, it was like a whole lot of like will they won't they? Mm-hmm. They denied his subpoenas, then the judge granted his motion for a new penalty phase trial. Then the judgment was reversed. By the Eighth Circuit, snip, snap, snip, snap. Snip, snap, snip, snap. Do you get that? Three vasectomies. Yes. No idea the physical toll. Three vasectomies has on a man. Snip, snap, snip, snap. I knew you were going to get it. Okay, really proud of that moment. So, he was denied. Then they thought about it, and he was denied, and denied, and denied was like seven times. Denied. Okay. okay. And then finally in 2015, his execution date was scheduled for December 9th, 2019. On November 20th, 2019, he and three other plaintiffs argued that the use of pentobarbital, mm-hmm. which is like used in ex- executions, may violate the Federal Death Penalty Act of 1944. Okay. It's said that it can cause flash pol- polymeric edema. Pulmonary edema. Yeah. yeah. Is that where there's oxygen in the blood? So I'm not sure, but it's because I tried to look it up and I kept spelling it wrong. Um, but it's the sense of like fear of drowning and terror and panic, which oh. is kind of fitting okay. with what happened. So maybe it is that, like with the oxygen in the blood. Maybe. I don't um, know. I could be very wrong. I'm not sure. I could not spell it right, so I'm definitely not right. But that part is true. Judge Tanya S. Chutkin. What up, Tanya? Uh, issued a preliminary injunction that prevented the rival of, uh, sorry, the revival of federal ex- executions. And then something happened in December 2019, which is kind of confusing. It was like the Indiana federal court stayed Lee's execution. I don't know what stayed means. I think it means it just moved it. Oh. But then the next day, the Supreme Court denied the stay of Chuck and Chuck. Chutkin's injunction against all federal executions, but like he still wasn't executed the day he was supposed to be. I don't know. It's been a fucking whirlwind. Yeah. Like just make a decision. Yeah. Also, again, not fair that Kehoe isn't receiving the same sentence when they had equal parts in this, and he was kind of like the mastermind. Like he robbed the dude a year before, and then like signed up Daniel to be a white supreme. Well, he didn't like force him to be one, but he like. He's the one that introduced him to white supremacist groups and shit and, like, yeah. had him go with him and stuff. So, 
Very fucking weird he didn't get the same sentencing. Anyways, long story short, a new day was set again for July 13th, 2020. The victim's families asked for the date to be moved because they're unable to travel due to COVID. Mm -hmm. Like, fucking pandemic people. But they were denied. They, like, filed an appeal and everything. Because, like, you're allowed to witness it, but, like, it's not, like, I don't know. Not required. Yeah, it's not required that you get to witness it. They sent out an emergency appeal, and Judge Chutkin ordered a halt to the execution, saying the process was very likely to cause extreme pain and needless suffering. Mm-hmm. Let's just take a fucking second. Take a fucking second. Let's, let's think about how William Frederick felt as he was overpowered by two men who then interrogated his stepdaughter. Or how Nancy Ann Mueller felt as they were shot with a stun gun. And lastly, how the fuck do you think eight-year-old Sarah Elizabeth Powell felt as they duct-taped a plastic bag over her head, her mother's head, and stepfather's head, and let them suffocate to death? Let's think about the pain and fear and the needless suffering they had endured as they gasped for air. Mm. Fucking think about that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's definitely one way to look at it. I, on the other hand, would say that I don't think that we as a state or society should promote the needless suffering and pain death. And like, if we're going to kill somebody, we should just kill them. I, I, I firmly believe that we should not be putting people to painful deaths. I don't think you... It's like, oh, I'm purposely putting you to a painful death, but when you're going to die in like five seconds and somebody... Three people you murdered. Yeah, I get, I get that. It's a hard. That's what this is a very hard concept. I struggle with sometimes when I think about it, because it's like, yes, those people must have experienced something truly horrendous. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that we should put the example out there that that deserves the exact same retribution. I think that's a hard precedent to set it's more of like an eye for an eye type thing like you did this to somebody else which means you deserve this to have happen to you basically but which some people believe that i don't and that could my thing know. is just like You're why saying, wouldn't you but wouldn't that make people not murder other people like if i might lose my life should I not take them? Wouldn't it put pe- into perspective that, like, oh, fuck, I could die by the hands of somebody else. Why should I do the same to someone else that doesn't deserve it? Like, why? Well, that's just murdering somebody, right? Like, and that just doesn't, I mean, the death penalty doesn't fucking work. Like, there's studies, like, with or without the death penalty, the murder rates are basically the same. And it costs way more money if somebody if the death penalty exists because of all the appeals and all mm. this shit than just letting somebody rot in jail and everybody else have yeah. to pay for him it's far less expensive to do that than to have the appeals process be played through and have all those legal fees and all that type of shit opposed to just having somebody rot in jail for the rest of their life which i believe personally is worse mm Mm-hmm. It's definitely a hard topic. Um, Without a doubt. I I would say that I sway either side. 
Like, I'm not, like, hard on, like, let's just kill everybody that sucks. But I think some people do deserve to just, like... Yeah. Die. Anyways, so now it's July 14th, 2020 at 2 a.m. With a 5-4 to vote, the Supreme Court lifted Judge Chutkin's hold and allowed the Department of Justice to proceed with the execution. Few reasons why that I got. This is the only part of the sun that is being quoted. Because this is new. This is like fresh, fresh. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure. The this details. was like last Tuesday. Yeah, I'm sure the details are still being found out and stuff. So five states already use pentobarbital with over a hundred executions that had no incidences. And also, it is unknown. This is the part that I'm like, what the fuck? It is also unknown if the sensation of preliminary edema happens before or after death what okay so we need to find out what that is <laughs> yeah what um well this is the people that were like oh it's like the sense of drowning it has to it there has to be a reaction oh, okay. in the body though because yeah. like how would you know well he was already dead and then he started getting this sense of drowning it's probably like a lack of oxygen or something like that Just i don't like, know well it's it's a sense of drowning panic and like Intense fear, like pan. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I got you. Daniel Lewis Lee's final statement was, I didn't do it. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I'm not a murderer. You're killing an innocent man. Oh, shit. Okay. He was pronounced dead at 8.07 a.m. after given a single dose of pentobarbital. Yeah. It was, like, really weird. One article was, like, going into details of them, like, rolling him in and, like... Yeah, I did not, like hearing the step-by-step play of what happened but yeah i always hate those scenes in movies where they like roll them in and they hook them up to the machine and then ugh. i actually read something interesting or this one lady was talking in an article and she said the execution room always has three rows the first row is filled with people that want to see the person get executed the second is filled with people that don't want to, like, don't believe they should be getting executed and don't want to see them executed. And then the third row is filled with, like, the reporters oh, who, wow. like, hold the state accountable to tell them, if it, to tell, like, the people if anything goes wrong yeah. type thing. I, was so, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So he's pronounced dead. Uh, he was the first to be federally executed in 17 years. Before him was Lewis Jones Jr. in 2003, who had kidnapped, raped, and murdered U.S. Army soldier Tracy Joy McBride in February 1995. Wow. Yeah. And why this is, like, such a big deal and it's so rare, the death penalty was outlawed at the state and federal level in 1972 by the Supreme Court. Shortly after, in 1976, the Supreme Court allowed states to reinstate the executions. And then in 1988, it was passed by legislation that the death penalty could happen again at the federal level. But still, like, while 78 people have been on, have been sentenced to death on the federal cases, only three have actually been executed. Now four. Okay. Um, And there are still 62 people on federal death row and i think it, it was said that like trump was kind of the one that was like spurred it up again like this year okay 2020 we're gonna start executing people oh great um yeah because well okay so attorney general william barr said at the time that trump was like oh whatever 
Um, under administrations of both parties, the Department of Justice has sought the death penalty against the worst criminals. The Justice Department upholds the rule of law, and we owe it to the victims and their families to carry forward the sentence imposed by our justice system. And Daniel Lee, Daniel Lewis Lee was is one of four scheduled for execution in July and August of this year, and all of them were convicted of killing children. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. So, pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. Yeah. Okay. John DuPont. John you ready DuPont. to talk about John DuPont? Isn't that a great um, fucking name? John DuPont. John DuPont. John DuPont. Comment ça John DuPont. John DuPont. John DuPont. Yeah. He was an heir to one of America's largest family fortunes. Wow. The DuPont family fortune. Okay. Whom originally made their fortune off of gunpowder and is now in the chemical business. Ooh. So, you know, chemicals, like uh, any kind of ke chemicals. Nuclear warfare. Chemicals. No, that's... Chemicals. Oh, like cleaning products. Windex. Yeah, so stuff like that, yeah. They merged with Dow Chemical a while ago. I don't know. But the reported net worth of the DuPont family currently is $14.3 billion. Oh, wow. Yes. But for, it's all his? No, 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 no. Oh. For our sake, we're focusing on John DuPont. He was a member of one of the families that is a controlling stake okay. of the DuPont fortune, basically. How much does he have? So, as of 1987, he was reportedly worth $200 million. 1987? 1987. I didn't do the conversion. It's a lot of money. Why do people have so much It could so be like a billion dollars. So, he grew up a child of the uber-wealthy, basically. And he kind of had that lonely childhood that's kind of stereotypical of that type of lifestyle. Kind of, you know, parents really busy, don't want to be bothered. Oh, yeah. Um, Play so with the nanny. Yeah. So his family had an 800-acre farm, and he was raised there, but his only friend was the son of the family chauffeur. Oh, man. Which, later, he found out his mom actually paid to be his companion. <gasps> oh, no. So... Not great when you figure that out. Oh, that's sad. That's hard for anybody, even if you're a bajillionaire. Yeah. A key event occurred during his childhood also when he was thrown from a horse. He hit his head. Onto a fence post where he had injuries that required the removal of both of his testicles. Oh, shit. What? How yeah. did he land on that fence? Oh. <gasps> Ooh, oh, so, no. how old was he? Not great. Uh, I think he was like maybe nine. So he hadn't hit nine the or eleven, yet. maybe. I don't know. Oh uh, man, that sucks. So if you don't have balls, can you get a boner? I don't think so. Really? Yeah, because I think a boner is a mixture of blood and semen. Yeah. So if you don't have the semen, I mean, I guess you could just have blood. Like, yeah. But I don't know. More blood though. So what if you might get lightheaded? Yeah, I don't know. But as a result, he was not allowed to play physical sports at all growing up. Like wrestling. Why? Wrestling. Is that it's key? It's key. Oh, shit. This dude loves wrestling. Well, he can't get exactly. a boner. What does that have to do with wrestling? Well, wrestling's kind of like 
what sex would be like. Okay, but no. <laughs> That's... No. Okay. No. <laughs> it's the ultimate friendship sport. Okay. That better? Okay, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. So, just as a side note, uh, DuPont was also an ornithologist. What the fuck's that? Bird study of birds. Oh. He actually graduated with a degree of zoology from, uh, I believe, Pittsburgh University, maybe? Somewhere in Pittsburgh. I don't fucking know. If I had one regret in my life. Geologist. Yes. And zoologist, though. Yes. He was even accredited with discovering two dozen species of birds. He discovered two, two dozen species of birds. Who did his parents pay off for those? What are you talking about? He went and discovered them. No, 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 no. See, somebody else discovered him. And then his mom was like, here's this money. Go okay. make the bird fly out in front of my son and make sure he gets the credit. Maybe. I don't know. I don't think so, but that's definitely a possibility. Do you get a name the bird? Uh, yes, most usually. Okay. Uh, and he was a philatelist. The fuck is that? Collector of stamps. Oh, that shit weirds me out. And in 1980, he bought one of the rarest stamps in the world. For how much? Uh, it was like a British Guiana stamp that was like magenta and black. $935,000. It's stupid as shit people spend money on. But that same stamp sold for $9.5 million in 2014. So, great fucking investment, I'll tell you that much. But why? It's a little, like, you could lose that in a sewer so fast. It would slip out of your hand real fast. Well, that's kind of the thing with, like, collectibles and stuff like that, is, like, you can be a collector, but if you really want to make money, you have to do something like that, where you buy, like, the rarest fucking thing in the world, because Mm -hmm. that is what's going to go up in value. If people see value in it still, though. Well, if there's something, like... It's going to be collected. There's always It's always going to go up. It's just so weird. It's going like to go stamps. up and down, but it's overall going to go up. I want somebody who's obsessed with stamps to, like, tell me why. Why? It's like, it's like oh, I don't know. Stickers well, are cool. It's kind of like I'm with my Pokemon cards. I have a couple well, that I'm, are worth a hundred or so dollars. Everybody collects Pokemon cards. But stamps, it's like the uncool stickers of the world. Well, there's different levels, you know? You have stamps, but then, like, with Pokemon cards, you have people that collect pokemon cards but then you have people like me that have graded pokemon cards that are on a scale and then you get you know pokemon cards are different we're talking about stamps well it's just what's special to somebody pokemon cards are really big when i was young because they were fucking dope and i'm sure when he was young yeah stamps are big back then man Stamps were all the rage, man, before TV, before they were artwork, man. A lot of them. I, well, I know there's some pretty cool stamps, but, like, right. just be a sticker collector. Probably same genre. Uh, stickers are better. Okay, that's just to show kind of what he was like besides uh, the wrestling. But the wrestling. Yeah, let's talk about That's it. where we know John DuPont. In 1985, 1985, he opened a world-class wrestling facility on his family farm. And called it Fox Catcher Farms. Okay. Just a beautiful 14,000 square foot facility. And he also overall gave USA Wrestling $3 million in support. 
which wow. is like the governing body of the sport basically so he gave three million dollars to the usa wrestling po- program and at the time there were two brothers mark and dave schultz that were the only brothers in history to ever win freestyle wrestling medals in both the olympics and the world championships okay. so these guys were like big deal yeah big deal. so Stop. john dupont it's like, bro, I got a world-class wrestling facility. I need the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, who the fuck's going to the, the facility? Just anybody? Well, that's the thing. It's it's the best facility in the world, almost. So he's like, all right, let me get these these fuckers in here. Yeah, best of the best for the so, best of the best. So John DuPont first hired Mark as the head of the wrestling program at Fox Catcher. But quickly, Mark is like, this dude's fucking nuts. Really? This is a weird-ass fucking environment. yeah, I knew it. I don't know what's going on here, and he's out. I wonder what happened. So he leaves. Oh, I wish I knew. Oh, you'll find out. Oh, no. Then DuPont turns to Dave Schultz, Mark's brother, with an offer for the job. Oh, listen to your brother. Wait, I'm going to... Drip down. Like a fucking king. Fucking I'm a fucking king with my chalice. I'm fucking Irish. I'm fucking Irish. All right. So he goes to Dave for the job. Dave. Now, Dave. Dave is the nicest motherfucker mm. you will ever meet, apparently. Dave. He was, uh, he had dyslexia. And he was a big kid. You know, a wrestler, big, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, unfortunately, he was no stranger to teasing. Yeah, from other people. People are assholes, especially kids. Yes. Growing up. Um, so this may have been a major reason that Dave was sympathetic towards John Dupont. Because, I mean, you know, you got a kid. You find out a kid has no testicles. <laughs> motherfuckers in school are going to, like, the really shitty yeah, fucking people are going to yeah. make fun of that. Because they're assholes. Yeah, And they're fucking true. kids and they don't know. They probably have shitty parents that don't fucking teach him how to be nice to people right i thought you were gonna say when you learn somebody has one test like you learn a kid has one test school you're gonna feel really sympathetic to that kid but we're well, talking yeah, about we, adults but I mean, even know. fucking adults some adults would fucking make fun of people yeah. for that. it's just some people literally no, they agree. learn how to be assholes i from, agree yeah it's fucked nuts. up it's a cycle it's like yeah it's crazy then they're gonna teach their kids to be assholes yes so what if we have an asshole child i don't think we will okay but uh you know we'll have to watch out for it hey kid yeah hey, don't, be, don't an be an asshole yeah that's what we'll say this is from your kid we'll say, this is from we'll your say, parents. hey we love you just don't just be don't a fucking asshole be a fucking asshole okay okay so every, all these videos of wrestlers from Foxcatcher, they all said he was eccentric everybody always said oh yes john dupont was quite eccentric So he was very sympathetic to the eccentric John DuPont. Mm. And uh, so he took the job, despite warnings from his brother and a difficult environment and everything. And I'm pretty sure his his brother, like, came and, like, spent some time there, too, after, you know, things had cooled off and shit like that. So from watching interviews and everything, it was pretty clear that this was, like, the mecca of wrestling. Like, everybody knows, like, Foxcatcher. Like, if you say Foxcatcher, probably to Ty, he'll know. I was going to say, maybe I'll text Ty. Yeah, he'll be like, just say Foxcatcher, and he'll be like, oh, shit, bro, what? Okay. (laughs) He'll get Uh, lost. He'll just respond, John DuPont. (laughs) 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 Okay, so it's basically like this is the best fucking place in the world for wrestling. So Dave just wanted to pass on his knowledge. 
So he takes the job, and he's just like, this is where all the best wrestlers are going to be. I want to teach the best of the best. So Dave Schultz actually turned out to be the only fucking reason this place worked. Because he's the only person that could, like, deal with John DuPont. Oh, God. Like, he would be able to calm him down. Like, people... Okay, so we're... We're getting into John DuPont shit, so I can just... I can say it. Okay. Um, there was a, a quote that said, you know, John would tell Dave that there was shit coming out of the walls. And Dave would just say, shut up, shut up, John. There's no, there's nothing coming out of the walls. Stop, stop being that. Like, trying to just, you know, he would tell him straight. He wasn't a yes man or anything like that. There was shit coming out of the walls? Yeah, like so John DuPont had some some mental fucking yeah, issues. Yeah, like he was seeing shit come out of the yeah. walls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh, God. So... John DuPont's mother died in 1988, and this is apparently the watershed moment when things really start mm. to just go down fucking hill. Mm-hmm. Um, so prior to this, I believe he had problems with alcohol and drugs, but especially after this, there was a lot of cocaine and alcohol being mixed, which, Damn. as we all know, creates a new drug in your system, which is really, really not fucking good for you. Sadness. What? Sadness. Well, that too, but it literally creates a different drug in your system that's way worse than either of them alone. Like Wait, coke, coke co- and what? Alcohol. Oh shit. Like when you mix coke and alcohol, it creates a new drug that has far worse. Alcohol. Yeah, basically, cocaine and alcohol. This is anything but good news. Yeah. And so he's already a ticking time bomb, time, blah, 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 ticking time bomb without the mental issues. I think that would be a ticking time bomb for anybody. Yeah. If you're on a lot of coke and alcohol, you're a ticking time bomb in general. But he also had some schizophrenic paranoia underlying issues. So when his mother dies, in my mind, I think, you know, maybe this is the only person that could really control him. Mm-hmm. If that is even the right word, you know, keep him from going off the edge, basically. So when she dies, everything's really and he probably ha- he has a lot of issues with his mother because she wasn't the best mother. So when she dies, I'm sure that worsens all of those feelings because she's gone and now he thinks, oh, fuck you. I'm going to live my life and drink. Well, it was probably shit. like all his life he was trying to get her approval and like having her pay for his one friend and all this stuff wasn't great so that was the other thing it was mentioned a lot in the article which was from wikipedia and multiple (laughs) other sources um he was very uh, seeking approval was very a basic need for him basically yeah so from interviews of people living on the farm at the time this is this is some of the shit that was going on all right you ready Mm mm-hmm it was said that DuPont insisted Disney characters were hiding on his property. Trees were uprooting themselves and walking around the grounds. What? He also opened fire at a flock of geese, claiming that he was convinced they were using dark magic against him. And even went so far as to remove all the treadmills from the house because he thought they were turning back time. Whoa. And he hired extra security personnel to check floorboards floorboards for secret tunnels and walls for hidden intruders he thought were spying on him. Oh, my God. So, like, this is, like, this guy goes from discovering bird species to, like, this dude's just not there. Yeah. Like, he's not. This oh. dude should not be 
in society, basically. But Well, he needs help for sure. Yeah, so it's not fucking good. And I say it later, but all the wrestlers, like, from interviews, they say, like, yeah, we knew there was shit wrong, but, like, like he was... He was the guy with the money. He's yeah. cashing the checks. He's got the world-class facility. You can get away with a lot when you have millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, he's still able to do everything because he has all that money. Yeah. So, as his condition, so did the conditions on the farm um, in Fox, Foxcatcher. Uh, he kicked out multiple wrestlers, once banning all black wrestlers, after declaring Foxcatcher was a KKK organization now. Oh, my God. And even pulled a machine gun on a wrestler while he was working out. So this is fuck? this is interesting. Dan Shade, I believe, C-H-A-I-D, he said, I was working out in the weight room. DuPont came in and pulled a gun on me and said, don't you fuck with me. I want you off the farm. In a very aggressive way. I could tell he wasn't in the right state of mind. I cowered to him just enough to get him back to back off. Then he left. I told local police the next day I went to the local courthouse, put in a report there, then the county courthouse. He was definitely getting closer and closer to doing something where somebody was going to get hurt. Yeah, but he has all that fucking money and power, and yeah. nobody's going to stop him or say, like, hey, bro, you need help. Yeah. So, there's a video of a famous WWE wrestler who trained at Foxcatcher at the time, and he said that the story of this altercation happened because... So, DuPont was, like, you know, just drugged out and shit, and he would... I mean, he had paranoid schizophrenia, so he would forget things. Mm -hmm. So, apparently, the story goes that one night he was in the house, and he trips and hits his head, and he wakes up, and he, like, you know hours later and he's like holy shit what the fuck happened yeah and this guy and him had an altercation a little bit before so he's like this motherfucker knocked me out oh my god so he's going down there like thinking that he attacked him basically wow it's a story at least it's just crazy too though like that everybody just like kept going to fox Foxhole? Foxcatcher. Foxcatcher, when it's like, you know this isn't a good place. Mentally unstable. He's very, clearly very racist and, like, needs help and is threatening people. Yeah. I know wrestling is not a very lucrative sport, and a lot of people would live on the farm. So it was kind of like this system where you would get people in, and they would either work out and live on this farm for free and deal with it or have nowhere else to go basically it's kind of a thing yeah that's hard and also with the gun thing i would like to say he was all the wrestlers said he would almost always have a gun on him fuck that so he would be walking around with like a holster with a gun which is just not fuck like i would leave immediately personally yeah like if somebody that unstable doing all those drugs has weapons on him all the time? No. Yeah. So, obviously, she's reaching some sort of climax. Yeah. So, now it's 1996. End of January. Okay. Yes. January 23rd, so I think 12 days after Yuri Uh John DuPont is with his security consultant, Patrick Goodall, driving over to Dave's house on the property, on the farm. They get there, and Dave's in the driveway. So, DuPont parks and gets out. And Dave, you know, acknowledges and says, 
hi boss like with a with a wave and everything mm -hmm. and dupont responds by saying you got a problem with me and shoots him dead on the spot with a 44 Magnum. No. He's dead. Not Dave. So the security contractor gets out because apparently he says he had no idea that he had a gun. But he I mean, if he always has a gun, yeah. he's going to think <laughs> he has a fucking gun. Okay. So the security contractor gets out to check on Dave. And at that point, DuPont goes back in the car and drives to the house before the security contractor, like, he had a gun on his... And ankle, leg, leg and he like grabbed it when he realized everything, like because his first reaction was help Dave. Yeah. And then he gets out and he whirls around, and Dupont's already driving back to the house. Mm -hmm. So Dave's wife Nancy witnesses this all. She's coming out of the house while it ha fucking happens, and immediately ran inside to call nine one one. The operator asks her why Dupont shot dave and she said like matter of factly like because he's fucking insane oh, like this is not something like they knew this is a fucking problem mm -hmm. meanwhile dupont goes back to the house and fucking holes up mm -hmm. for two days 70 police officers and a whole fucking swat team surrounded the house and just waited wow so dupont goes in the house and doesn't threaten anybody He's just in there. So there's, like, news footage of press conferences where they're like, he's not threatening to harm anybody, so mm -hmm. we there, there's no justification to just go in there and get him, guns drawn, ablaze. But can it... Especially, I'm guessing, because he's a famous millionaire. Um, probably had something to do with it. So they didn't want to have a national incident where they shot a multimillionaire of a major American fortune. But... There was a crime. Couldn't you just say, okay, that's why we're coming in? Well, they didn't... If he's not threatening anybody, I don't think that you as a commander of police officers can rightly put your men at risk knowing that he has guns in the house. So but he he's killed not, somebody. Get everybody yeah, else out of the house. He, he killed him at Dave's house, and then he drove back to the main house. So he's in the main house. By himself? By himself, holed up with guns. Oh, there's nobody so else. So they're just there. waiting him out. Okay, I thought there were other people in there with him. No. I don't believe so. There may have been, like, maids and such, but I think they eventually got out. I was going to say, like, have one of them let you in and just, like, yeah. walk in. So they eventually decided to shut off the heat okay. to the house. Okay. And weirdly, John DuPont just, just walked out <laughs> to try and fix the fucking heater. Oh, shit. He probably, like, didn't even realize they were still there. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I'm about to say. He said he just walked out and tried to fix it when he was apprehended by the SWAT team, claiming he never thought for a second that the police were the ones that had shut the heat off. Mm -hmm. So, John DuPont goes on a trial, and his lawyer basically tries to pin the whole thing on a security contractor. Of course. Patrick Goodall saying that he was a drug-pushing yes-man that took advantage of DuPont and his schizophrenic paranoia until eventually he snapped and killed Dave Schultz. Which a lot of pe a lot of wrestlers have somewhat suspicious uh, ideas toward Godal because there was a lot of drug activity and such that he was party for, so Did he have a problem with Dave? Uh I don't think there was any real problem between him and Dave. But I know Dave was starting to get worried. And I think Dave was actually planning on leaving within the next couple of days to get out, which he might have. 
you know, then that leads to maybe he confronted the security guy and said, hey, this is not fucking cool. What's going on here? I'm leaving uh, to get the, and I'm going to call the police when I'm safe. You should do the same or something. Yeah, well, I could see DuPont being like, oh, you're going to try to leave. Your brother already left. You're like, you're yeah. one of the best. If you leave, other people will leave, and he sees it more as a threat to his operations yeah yeah and that's the thing like a lot of it like there's no motive mm-hmm. like they never the that's police never even established a motive like a lot of the times the case has a like that's one of the main components of a case is the motive but here he's they say he's just out of his mind basically yeah. But it could have been that the fucking police or security officers whispering in his ear, hey, this guy's trying to leave. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what you want to do about that, but here's a gun. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I just feel like the security guard wouldn't benefit then. Well, if he's selling him drugs, that's basically the theory. Is like he's supplying DuPont with drugs, and if you get a millionaire that gets hooked on drugs, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but I'm saying then if you have that millionaire kill somebody, then there goes all your money. He's going to go out of jail probably. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like maybe he knows about it, so he goes up and says, you know, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. So he thinks he's going to get the cops involved. Oh, okay. So he's like, oh, shit, this guy's got to go, but I don't want to fucking kill him. And this guy's crazy, so this will solve the problem. Yeah. So the jury said, nope. Mentally unstable. Mental mental health. Oh, did I say crazy? Yeah. No, sorry. It's okay. I didn't mean it was a slip of the tongue. Yeah. Um, it was more like I was going through his mental processes. Like, you know. He thinks this guy's crazy. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the jury said, nope. Nope. You're guilty, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to prison until you fucking die, which is what happened in 2010. Wow. After 15 years in prison, he passed away in 2010. There was a movie made. What God? What's it called? Called Foxcatcher. <gasps> that came out in 2014 starring... Steve Carell, Michael Scott. Yeah, what? Steve Carell, Channing Tatum. Is it a comedy? No. What? No, it's like one of those, you know, well, Steve Carell went through a series where he made a lot of really serious movies. Like yeah, Dan in Real Life. Tatum? And, yeah, Channing Tatum made, makes a lot of serious movies, actually. He, I mean, people just know him for Magic Mike and shit, but he makes a lot of. I know him for 21 Jump Street. That too. Thank yeah. you. And then Mark Ruffalo. So he's in it, too. He's Dave. Okay. Channing Tatum is Mike, and Steve Carell is John DuPont. So, but the movie takes quite a license with the story. Mm. Did not turn out well um, with the people portrayed. So the movie has Mark and John as having a relationship. It's like they have a love affair. What? Yeah. So in reality, Mark is the one that John DuPont hired first and then left. They didn't have any type of love affair or anything. So Mark immediately lashed out, like, on Twitter and, like, making things known. He's like, bro, this is not fucking cool. You think I'm going to let you, like, destroy my name and all this shit? Hollywood for you. However, major news stations, like, picked up on the story and were like, John DuPont and 
brother of his murder victim had a love affair, blah, 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 blah. <sighs> so to this day, still a lot of people believe that that's the, the case because the news stations ran that story so much, even though it wasn't true. I'm surprised none of those actors, like, spoke out and were like, we're sorry that this was portrayed the wrong way. Yeah. Well, that's why I was actually very surprised that I had never heard of the movie before. Um, And apparently there was a lot of questions about that, like... How did you feel about this, portraying this in such a way? And mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently they had a lot of problems with it, but they mm-hmm. were hired to do a job, so yeah. they had to kind of just do what they were told, basically. How old was he when he died? 72, I believe. Okay, so he was pretty... So basically, I would just say that the only justice here really is that he died in prison because, one, he destroyed Dave's family through the act... And then destroyed another man's life, Patrick Goodall, by trying to put the blame on him. Mm-hmm. And then eventually DuPont dies in prison, which allows his story to be told in film. And then that destroys Mark Schultz's life because yeah. they can portray certain things that are only allowed to be portrayed because of the shitty things that John DuPont did, basically. Yeah. So they could put all these things in the movie that weren't true because he was such a ridiculous figure, basically. And say, based off a true story. Yeah. Based on a true story. But nobody ever looks up, like, the facts. Yeah, literally, you could have one scene in a movie that's true, and the whole thing can be based on that one thing. So, yeah, basically the whole thing's fucked, and I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, about that because it's the nature of yeah. this podcast. Yep. So there you guys go. There Two you go. murders. We have not done just like murder murders yeah. in a while. So yeah, check out the uh, Emmanuel Acho, Acho, Acho um, stuff on uh, the web on Instagram. Instagram, I'm sure it's Very on YouTube good. and everything. I highly recommend. It's very yeah. and we'll important. we'll stay on the on the lookout for stuff like that and keep you guys updated. Yeah, keep you guys posted. Stay safe, everyone. Fucking wear a mask. I swear to God, if I have to say that one more <sighs> goddamn time. I'm thinking. I was thinking about passing out masks to people, but then I figured the people that don't have masks at this point would probably be pissed off at me that I'm trying to give them a mask. Yeah. So I'm like, why the fuck would I do that? You can just fucking. Yeah. Just whatever. Like, okay, fuck okay. Fuck you. You're putting other people at risk. Peace. You just. Yeah. Selfish. You're yeah. selfish. All right. We'll see you next week. Okay. Bye, guys. Peace. Meow. Meow. Do we ever. Don't we yell at me? That was aggressive. Oh, Kitty, you're so cute. You're so cute. I don't want to move my foot. You're so cute. All right, guys. If you have any interesting, crazy shit to add, anything, email us at thescaredycatspodcast at gmail.com or find us on all the socials. All the socials. For Instagram, it's the Scaredy Cats Podcast. Twitter, Scaredy Cats Cast. Facebook, the Scaredy Cats. TikTok, the Scaredy Cats Podcast, separated by periods. Boom. Check it out now.